I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Before there was Otto the Orange, there were brilliant ideas. Some of those brilliant ideas consisted of, oh, I don't know, a goat, a goofy cowboy, and even a Roman gladiator. So... Just tons of great ideas being thrown out there. Before there was the color orange, there was pea green and rose pink. Man, imagine how awesome things could have been. I'm Sean. This is Q-Story, the history of miscreants and a mascot. Now, first things first, why orange? I mean, it's become part of all of our wardrobes. We literally wear it loud and proud, at least I do. And, you know, especially after a big win, you love to puff your chest out with some some bright orange Cuse gear. I mean, Wegmans, go to a Wegmans. Any game day in Syracuse, and any outsider would confuse it with the Twilight Zone because everybody is dressed in the same freaking attire, and I love it. I'm not complaining. I'm not joking. I love it. Now, imagine if it never changed from pea green and rose pink, how that would look. How would... I mean, you're going to light Wegmans up with pea green and rose pink? I mean, that is just not cutting it. So... Uh, it was in 1872 when pea green and rose pink became the school's official colors. Students, I'm sure, were pretty embarrassed by this and changed them to pink and azure in 1873. Thankfully, that only lasted a year. Azure, by the way, is almost like a sky blue. Now, that lasted from 1873 to 1890 when alumni changed the official color once more to orange. There was a motion at the time for alumni to go orange and white officially, but that was defeated. Ironically, we see a lot of the orange and white combo today, but at the time, only the color orange was adopted. A report in the Syracusean in 1890 said the decision was, quote, predicated upon the historical affinity that once existed between the colony of New York and the House of Orange, end quote. Uh, the House of Orange at the time was a branch of the European House of Nassau over in, obviously, Europe. Uh, also, in 1929, an issue of Alumni News said they chose orange because it is, quote, symbolic of golden apples of Hesperia, of the glory of the sunrise, and the hopes of a golden future. It is the hue of strength, vigor, and confidence, end quote. Professor John Scott Clark, 
uh, class of 1877. He pitched orange as the official color during these debates because, to his knowledge, not a single university or college had orange alone as its color. And all of this laid the groundwork for our beloved Otto. Otto the orange, and it also laid the groundwork later for the adaption of the Syracuse orange as we know it today. Now, many Syracuse diehards, like myself, we have pets. Some of us have named our pets Otto. I have a cat named Otto. In fact, I might even name my next cat Otto. Maybe my next dog Otto. Who knows? Goldfish. Who knows? Whatever. But what came first? Syracuse mascots date back to over 100 years ago. Uh, Early in the 20th century, there were some team photos with the football, Syracuse football team, and they had a dog wearing a leather helmet. In the 20s, there were what was called freshman guardians who would walk this goat around. His name was Vita. They'd walk him around games, and they'd put signs on him. This is probably where the first beat Colgate sign came from. The first hashtag for Syracuse University was actually strapped to a goat named Vita. Imagine that. Uh, The first one, though, a mascot that was actually to evolve into something would start in 1885 as an SU freshman by the name of Harry Lee created a character named Bill Orange. Why Bill Orange? Well, who the hell knows? (laughs) Because this is, remember, the same era where pea green and rose pink were thought to be some pretty sweet colors for a college sports team. Now, in the class of 1922... Alpha Gamma sorority member, Mabel Hatton, she presumably made a Bill Orange doll. It was about three feet tall, and it was brought to games where it was swung around by its legs and arms. Sometimes it would be thrown to the field to the, to the great pleasure of Syracuse fans at the time. And by the 1940s, Bill Orange came to life as he would walk on the sidelines of Syracuse football games on stilts. Now, why Bill Orange? You said Bill Orange, Bill Orange. Sounds so weird. Why not Orange Bill? That's my question. What the hell's wrong with Orange Bill? But that was Bill Orange. Silly. So, I guess it was probably a pain in the ass taking care of this goat mascot. So, something had to take its place. This would be the Saltine Warrior, a.k.a. Big Chief, you guessed it, Big Chief Bill Orange. Now... There was two things that sparked the legend of the Saltine Warrior. The first was an early century song written by a man named Samuel E. Darby. It was around 1913. These lyrics can be found online. You can check it out. Just Google it. The next event that was the actual launching pad for this uh, Saltine Warrior mascot was a campus magazine called The Orange Peel. Now, this is 1931, and as you can see, 1931 a campus magazine called the Orange Peel. You can see how this is laying the path for Otto with that name and as we know it today. They concocted a fictitious tale in its October 1931 issue. It was a story that claimed that the remains of an Indian chief, Okikata Haschanagata. Now, if you're a regular listener to this show, you know damn well not to quote me on any names, but as the story goes, it claimed that the remains of this chief had been revealed after the removal of the women's gymnasium. Now, according to the story, that name, his name translated to the Salt Warrior or Salty Warrior. And in the 1950s, there was a father of a Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity brother who designed a Salty Warrior costume for his son to wear to football games. Now, that costume 
was passed down into the fraternity and became a tradition for one of the, those fraternity brothers to play that role of the mascot at the games. The mascot remained until the school retired the Saltine Warrior because of racial ins- insensitivity in 1978. Now, we all know there are a number of Native American mascots all throughout school sports. I mean, from elementary school to every professional sport out there. So, as far as I could tell, the insensitivity didn't come from the mascot alone, but its behavior at games. The demise of the Saltine Warrior began when Native American students and members of the Onondaga Nation began voicing their opinions over the way the mascot conducted himself at games. So, former All-American Syracuse lacrosse player Oren Lyons, also an Onondaga chief, said the mascot lacked dignity and authenticity. He said, quote, The thing that offended me when I was there was that the guy was running around like a nut. That's derogatory, end quote. So, you know, as we could imagine with, you know, 1978-ish, I mean, those were the heydays for those college kids. I mean, you know, think back, if you can, to Days to Confused, right? It's a documentary about those crazy kids back in 1978. Great documentary, by the way. They were nuts. So, that was the end for old Big Chief Bill Orange, at least on the mascot front there, because in 1951, the senior class commissioned the university to have a Saltine Warrior statue put up near this hoax discovery site. Uh, There was a winning sculptor, I guess they had a contest, his name was Luis Cache, and he had an actual Onondaga Nation uh, Native American pose for the statue, and it depicted uh, the Saltine Warrior shooting an arrow towards the sky. It's a bronze statue, it's been moved a bunch of times, but it is still there. So, and I believe now it sits on the southeast corner of the quad, so if you want to check that out, or maybe you've even seen it, maybe you didn't know where it came from, but uh, that's the story behind that. Almost immediately, SU tried to replace the Saltine Warrior, and they did so with a gladiator. Now, this gladiator was so bad, he was, like, booed off the field, he was laughed off the field. Now, other ideas ensued. Let's see. There was Ignaro the Troll, okay? Ignaro the Troll. (laughs) I mean, that sounds awful. A douchey wannabe Superman-like goofball-type character. Um, You know, a man in an orange tuxedo, I guess, is probably the best one of these, but uh, they even tried a freaking clown in 1980. Now, Syracuse would struggle to find a replacement for about four years until a former cheerleader named Eric Heath, who dropped out of school to join the Ringling Brothers Circus Clown College, sent hand drawings of a raggedy orange character wearing a blue ball cap. He had his little blue arms coming out of where his ears should be, and he had little blue legs. The Orange's first appearance was in 1982 at the Syracuse First Temple football game. The figure was revealed to a crowd of 29,574. Now, they had built this box piece by piece, and it was designed to reveal the mascot as the walls fell, the mascot would be revealed. Now, many of the fans in the in the stands were still upset at the decision to rid the campus of the Saltine Warrior, and they were underwhelmed, to say the least, by the unveiling of this, like, fuzzy orange creature, like, you know. I mean, the first one, go Google the first images of Otto the Orange. I mean, they were 
It was goofy, man. It was terrible. Uh, early names that floated around for the orange were Clyde and Woody. Now, just think of this. Clyde the orange, Woody the orange. Eh, I don't know, man. Not cutting it. Uh, the early nameless orange would face some more competition with such figures as the Dome Ranger, which is exactly what it sounds like. is a goofy cowboy dressed in orange. Or how about Dome Eddie, who basically Dome Eddie was Elton John with oversized glasses and a big orange wig. So, you know, well, here's the biggest fail of all. I mean, they were just throwing anything at it. They were throwing anything at it. The Beast of the East, which is basically a green monster thing. Now, lucky for the orange, because the more bad ideas that were thrown out there and the more the orange hung around, the more it started to grow on the fans. And by the summer of 1990, some eight years later after its unveiling, Syracuse cheerleaders brought the costume to a camp in Tennessee, and the students narrowed down the names to two choices. They were Otto and Opie. And as they started to think about this, apparently it became very clear that maybe opposing teams' students would easily rhyme Opie with Dopey. So, once word spread about Otto the Orange, fans and alumni alike picked it up, and that was it. That was it. Otto the Orange was born, finally. But the fight for an official mascot was not over yet because in February of 1995, Chancellor Buzz Shaw wanted to fix the mascot situation once and for all. He said, I've had enough. We need an official mascot. Let's go. So what did he do? He appointed a committee of 18 members consisting of students, staff, and faculty. This committee was to find a logo and an official mascot. Now, Otto obviously was not quite in the clear yet as the, the committee was meeting. There were other contenders for the mascot slot, and they consisted of not only Otto the Orange, but get this, some brilliant ideas again, some really good ideas. A wolf and a lion. Again, really dumb ideas, in my opinion. I'm just saying. Now, students lobbied hard for Otto and eventually convinced Buzz Shaw to accept Otto and that December of 1995, it became official. And I honestly thought to myself, when I was researching this and reading up on it, that I thought it had to have been earlier than 1995. I mean, those are my heydays in high school. I would think I was in 10th grade or something like that in high school. It's just hard for me to believe that it was only 24 years ago. So, I mean, and here's a fun fact for you. So, did you know that to wear the auto costume, you cannot be taller than 5'9"? So that means I could fit in that bad boy. So I'm just going to throw that out there that I'm short enough to fit in the auto costume. What the hell? Why not? Why not throw it out there? So that ended the search as we know it for a mascot. Over a hundred years of searching and they came up with an orange. Now, <laughs> I grew up with Otto the Orange and it's not weird to me anymore. It never really was. But as an outsider looking in, you're like, Syracuse Orange? The, the name of the, the name of the team is it a color or is it is it a fruit I mean they have a fruit as a mascot is that an orange I mean it's confusing right so you know I understand it I get it oranges don't grow in Syracuse you know what's an orange mascot doing in Syracuse we're used to it so it doesn't seem weird to us but for outsiders they're like you know they like to joke it but I guess it was probably the best bad idea that they had in the search took over a hundred years and they were just like people like the orange man let's just go with the orange so 
uh, and, and you know everything happens for a reason I think it's turned out great I love auto we use them for like I mentioned earlier we use them as our logo for the podcast and you know we can get some pretty cool auto po- poses I like the angry auto I'm a fan of that I like the intense auto so um, you know in, in not for anything I think if the Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity weren't acting so racially insensitive when they were dressing up as a saltine warrior on game day that maybe if they depicted him with a little bit more respect i think that i don't think that they would have gotten rid of him because as we see now all throughout sports and especially the ncaa you know you have native american mascots and i really think that he could have lasted the test of time even to today because if they were honoring him or the Onondaga Nation in general. The Onondaga Nation is like 10 minutes down the road, 5 minutes down the road from the university. If they were depicting that mascot and honoring the Onondaga Nation and it wasn't disrespectful, I think he would have lasted. But, you know, you get some drunk college students out there and, you know, that's what happens, I suppose. So it's unfortunate. But we ended up with Otto. Like I said, everything happens for a reason. But on with Otto. So Otto's legacy was only getting started as great things were about to branch off of him, including, as of now, two original Cuse Militia logos, and everybody knows Michael Borkowski's artwork, which largely revolves around Otto. And we joined the ACC, and everybody knows being part of the ACC, you got to deal with the with Duke, and they have the Cayman Crackheads, and Pitt has the Oakland Petting Zoo. Well, we now have Otto's Army. And it was started in 2006 by five students who organized a seating arrangement for home games. All students in the section must wear orange. Now, I have an official rule I'd like to propose. And I'm, I know they're loud. I know they're loud. But the official rule should be, you have to be loud in there, okay? You've got to be obnoxious. You have to be so loud and obnoxious that opposing teams' fans cannot stand the sight of you. That is the goal of Otto's Army. So... Uh, according to Scott Pintiak, author of the book 100 Things Syracuse Fans Should Know Before They Die, Otto's Army actually dwarfs other student sections. Uh, let's take Duke, for example. Otto's Army is over 5,000 members, in which quadruples the Cameron Crackheads. I mean, Cameron Crazies. So, also in that section of Otto's Army is the University Pep Band, which is the Sour Citrus Society. And all of them in Otto's Army usually set behind the cheerleaders. Now, Otto's Army later became an official student section for the Syracuse Orange. Obviously, it was only a matter of time with a catchy name like that, right? So, they even have a seven-person executive board and also created Otto's Advance where you've seen the t-shirts. They sell these t-shirts and they raise money and they've actually been able to make significant contributions to the Jim and Julie Bayheim Foundation as well as Relay for Life. So, go out and buy an official Otto's Army shirt. Tell them Sean and Joe from the Cuse Militia Podcast sent you and maybe they'll follow us on Twitter. Maybe. Now, Here's a little fun fact for you. As Joe and I wanted to brand this podcast and create a more original name, I actually loved the character of Otto's Army in Beheim's Army, and I loved how catchy it was, and that's how I came up with Cuse Militia, and I thought about it in a sense, really, a militia is a voluntary civilian army. So that's how I came up with the idea, if you're ever wondering. It was... 
derived from Otto's army and Beheim's army. So, little fun fact for you there. Now, if you're not a member of the Accused Militia, it's very simple. All you got to do is go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. The universal handle for all of those is at Accused Militia. Go there, thumb us up, follow us, like us or whatever the case may be, and boom, you become a member of the Cuse Militia. It's as simple as that. So we appreciate all of you listening, and I'm going to try to do a couple more of these. I thought the auto one was a good test to see how to see how you guys liked it. I would love your feedback on it. Uh, but I will come out with more, and what I'll probably do is do some of these during the off season. So I appreciate everybody listening. So tonight, Joe is absent because he did not help me out at all with this. So I'm going to take all the credit because, well, I did everything. But for Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Joe, thanks for listening to the Q's Militia Podcast, the fan's voice with Sean and Joe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.